0: This, this, this is the Michelangelo Cirelli show on Sirius XM. Welcome back, I'm Michelangelo Cirelli on Sirius XM Progress 127. Bill De Blasio is the New York City public advocate, serves as the ombudsman between the electorate and city government, uh, Formerly served as a New York City council member representing the 39th district in Brooklyn. He is running for mayor of New York City. Uh, the primary is coming up in a couple of months, a crowded field. Christine Quinn, New York City council speaker, is running. Uh, openly lesbian would be the first openly gay person or woman to be mayor of New York City, and Anthony Weiner, you all know, is running too, former congressman, uh, Bill Thompson also running, Uh, really a a crowded field here. Bill de Blasio joins me right now to talk about why he should become mayor. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Michelangelo. Uh,
0: You're running for mayor uh, in a field, as I just said, that's pretty crowded. Why did you feel you had to run right now?
1: I think at the end of the Bloomberg years, we are living a tale of two cities. We are living with extreme disparities in this city, whether it's in terms of income, housing, health care, how each of the boroughs is treated. And, you know, this is the kind of work I've been doing my life in terms of fighting for equality and fighting for uh, people to be treated properly by their city government. And I thought that, you know, if we continued Bloomberg policies, bluntly, these disparities would deepen this status quo has really become unacceptable in New York City, and some of the Democrats, I'm quite clear, would more or less continue uh, policies that uh, unfortunately support this unfairness. So I thought it was important that there Mm -hmm. be a real real progressive in this race um, to challenge the status quo. And I think bluntly, as I talk to people all over the city, I think there's a working majority in this city, and certainly among Democrats, Uh, for change in the progressive direction.
0: You have been outspoken, uh, as have some of the other candidates, but there are differences on the issue of stop and frisk, the policy in New York that the Bloomberg administration uh, has had in place that is very controversial. Many African-American men, disproportionately young men, uh, targeted, frisked, pulled over. Uh, You have likened it to the stand-your-ground laws, which, of course, are uh, very much at the forefront now in the wake of the uh, George Zimmerman. Uh, verdict uh, regarding the killing of Trayvon Martin. Talk a little bit about your position on um, stop and frisk.
1: There are very sharp differences, even among Democrats, on this question. So I believe that what's happened with stop and frisk has been corrosive uh, and divisive, really undermining the relationship between police and community, making us less safe. And look, for young men of color in this city, uh, yeah, this is separate and unequal policing. You know, young men of color constantly singled out, even though they're entirely law-abiding, almost 90% of all those stops uh, of being of innocent people, according to police statistics. So unlike even other Democrats, I believe we need a clean sweep. We need a new police commissioner, where I differ with Christine Quinn, for example. I believe you can't fix the problem with stop and frisk if you keep the architect of it in place, being Ray Kelly. I think we need a strong anti-racial profiling law, a ban on racial profiling. Now, bluntly, Bloomberg is trying to move heaven and earth to veto the racial profiling. But ban but
0: you don't anti- feel it. you don't feel that stop and frisk should be um, ended completely. Uh, ben, the the um, John Liu, who is also one of your uh, opponents in this race, he's the only one who says abolish it completely.
1: Yeah, and I think John is missing the fact there that there is a constitutional and appropriate way for a police officer to pursue, for example, a suspect description. Is in a crime you have, you know, a description of a suspect, you should have the right as an officer to stop people who fit that description and question them. But what's happening now is entirely different. This is the wholesale singling out of young men of color in particular uh, based on no specific uh, charges. And that has to end. And listen, this racial profiling ban makes all the difference. But look, Chris Quinn is with Mayor Bloomberg in opposing a racial profiling ban. So is Bill Thompson and Anthony Weiner. I have to say I'm shocked as a Democrat and as a progressive uh, that, that this crucial legislation to end this bad practice in New York City. And we're going to have a huge fight here to stop Bloomberg from vetoing this bill. And against the backdrop of other bad legislation, uh... like the stand your ground law it's shocking that in new york city it isn't a given that we would ban racial profiling but this says a lot about the fact that uh... progressive voices in this city are often uh... you know ignored in the mainstream political debate I think the vast majority of people believe we need this racial profiling ban, and that's why I'm working mm-hmm. so
0: hard for it. As I said, Christine Quinn, uh, open lesbian, would become uh, certainly the first uh, openly gay mayor. She has the backing of uh, many mainstream groups, Empire State Pride Agenda and others. But you actually have the backing of a lot of progressive gay activists, also some public uh, people like Cynthia Nixon, uh, the Sex and the City star, of course, a Broadway actress, also uh, Alan Cumming. Uh, Broadway actor as well. Uh, What does that mean that you're getting that kind of support from major LGBT figures?
1: Uh, It's very, very important and I have to say whether it's famous names like Cynthia Nixon and Alan Cumming or whether it's everyday activists and lots of people who, by the way, live in Christine Quinn's council district. I think what I'm hearing from people all over the LGBT community is that uh, of course there's a sense of appreciation and pride when it comes to the notion of a leader being elected from the community. But more important than anything is getting the values of our next mayor right, Uh, electing a mayor who's really committed to fundamentally changing this city. And unfortunately, um, what's happened is, Even though uh, a lot of people wanted to give uh, Speaker Quinn the benefit of the doubt, they found that she consistently sided with Bloomberg, consistently sided with the real estate industry, Uh, you know, didn't stop the closure of St. Vincent's Hospital and a number of situations like that that truly mattered to the community. I think people bluntly felt sold out. And uh, we have found that lots of uh, progressive activists from all over the city, from the LGBT community, have rallied to of my campaign, because what matters most is electing for once and for all, after 20 long years with Republicans in City Hall, electing a progressive Democrat as mayor.
0: that said, uh, Alec Baldwin hosting a benefit for you. He came under a lot of criticism from gay activists uh, when he had on Twitter used this term. He attacked a uh, a British uh, journalist, called him a toxic little queen, used the word queen a couple of times. He uh, made some other sexual remarks. Uh, he apologized. A lot of people didn't feel the apology was really kind of heartfelt, and, and also that there were no ramifications for him. Capital One, others still uh, supporting him, certainly not what happened with Paula Deen. Talk a little bit about that and your response to what he said.
1: Look, what he said was inappropriate, and it was very important that he apologized. And that language, there's, there's no place for it, obviously. I think the fundamental difference here when you compare, for example, against Paula Deen is... You know, Alec Baldwin has a very meaningful history of support for progressive causes and and a lot of support um, for LGBT rights that he's expressed in many ways over the years. And I think some leaders and organizations came to his defense saying it was a stupid and inappropriate comment, but, you know, remembering that he's been on the right side of the issues for the community in addition to, you know, many, many other progressive causes. So, um, look, we can't tolerate when someone uses a wrong language, but we also have to remember if someone's been on the right side writ large, that has to count for something, too.
0: You uh, spent the night with some of the other candidates um, up in a housing project up in Harlem last night. Talk a little bit about that.
1: That was an amazing experience. I had spent a lot of time in um Public housing developments in my work over the years, but there's there's nothing quite like staying overnight with a family and hearing what they go through. And this family, the Wilson family, you know, they've they've had uh, dangerous conditions in their building, in their apartment, unhealthy conditions, mold and mildew, repairs going unmade, you know, crime in the hallways and the stairwells that there's never any serious response to. Uh, you know, it's very sad to hear exceedingly hard-working people who really have struggled economically and personally and, and feel so left out and left alone, you know, to, to fend for themselves. It was an eye-opener, and I brought my daughter, Kiara, with me who's was 18 and has started down the road as an activist in her own right. And, and I have to say, it was powerful for me for, for someone... Starting out their adult life, I, mean, was a, I could see the look in her face of how could people be treated this way, and by a public agency no less. And so all I can say is very clear change and reform has to be made in the housing authority. 400,000 New Yorkers, many of whom are being treated really, really the wrong way by our own city government.
0: You also were arrested um, during a protest to keep two Brooklyn hospitals uh, open. Tell us about that protest.
1: I've been involved in the fight to save our hospitals for years now uh, in my old district in Brooklyn, and then I got deeply involved in the fight to save St. Vincent's. And and just like these protests now, let me be clear, the the real estate dynamics undergird this whole reality. We lost St. Vincent's Hospital uh, in large measure because the real estate industry wanted to get a hold of those buildings, which were incredibly lucrative. We lost health care for a community that really needed that's deeply feeling uh, the absence and, uh, you know, the mayor at the time wouldn't lift a finger. The governor at the time wouldn't lift a finger. And I think people all over the west side of Manhattan are, are still, you know, deeply, deeply upset by that. And now two hospitals in Brooklyn, Long Island College, Long Island College Hospital in downtown Brooklyn and Interfaith in Bed-Stuy, both could be gone by the end of this summer. So my my blunt view was that it's gotten so bad and, and the system is really failing to respond to the health care needs of people, particularly. Lower income folks that we have to do something to shake this up. So I agreed to participate in civil disobedience uh, to try and stop the closure of Long Island College Hospital. And and now we've gone to court and we've got. I'm very proud to say we got a temporary restraining order to stop the closure uh, just on Friday afternoon. But th- this is a bigger fight. You know, we've lost we've lost a dozen hospitals in the last 12 years of the Bloomberg administration mm-hmm. in this city. That's how bad it is, and that's why this fight is important for the whole city.
0: Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I hope we can get a chance to speak to you again throughout the primary season into the election as well. Uh Bill de Blasio, New York City public advocate running for mayor of New York City. We're back after the news. You're listening to Sirius XM Progress.